Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. You know, I'd spent my last 25 years in my career working really hard, building up my career, saving, right, as much as I could. I I had very little balance in that. You know, it's really all about, you know, saving. Um, I had an opportunity to, to pay my house off, which was such a huge burden off me, right, is, oh my gosh, the house is paid off and that was a burden. And so, you know, when I first went to see the attorney, the divorce attorney, and he walked me through, you know, what the uh, numbers uh, would look like in terms of me, you know, having to pay alimony, having to pay child support and such, and what that all meant, I was just an absolute shock. And I immediately um, went back into that place of fear. Oh my gosh, I'm 50 years old. You know, what about my kids? What about college? How am I, what's gonna happen to me when I retire? What happened to my whole retirement plan? Oh my gosh, you you know, just, I I just went down this um, rabbit hole of just absolute uh, desperation, really. Even though, you know, I've been working it to me, it just meant so much more work. And, you know, so that's that's really what happened. Welcome to Voices of Celebration. This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. Welcome back to another episode of Voices of Celebration. Today I am with uh, Judy and she's going to tell us a little bit about her story. Judy, you're divorced about four months now. Is that right? That is correct. Four months now. And I am so grateful to be here, Karen. You know, I have spent so much time listening to your Voices of Celebration podcast and all your other podcasts and to be honest with you, it's just unbelievable that um, I'm here today. So I'm I'm very grateful for all the help and, and the fact that I'm here. Well, beautiful. And I know you have a story that's really going to help encourage others, just as the stories you heard encouraged you. So let's just start with a little context. How did you end up on the path to divorce? What is your backstory? Well, I got married. I was 37 years old when I got married. Um, I had, you know, a a thriving career at the time um, and still have today. I was married for 12 years um, before I decided to file for divorce. 
Um, I have three kids. They're uh, 12, 10, and eight years old. And for me, you know, there was um, an early awareness that things weren't right with my marriage. And we went through several bouts of uh, marriage counseling and such, which didn't really stick, didn't work. Um, and at the the 12-year point is when I got, you know, physically sick. I was, you know, suffering with migraines every day. Um, I had to have an emergency colonoscopy because, you know, a lot of the pain that I was feeling was, you know, just manifesting in my body. And it was at that point where, you know, I realized that uh, I could no longer um, stay in the marriage. You know, that's there was no upside anymore. Before I had been kind of on a plan to get the kids through college and then think about it again. Um, right. But once I got sick, I just realized um, that I just could not stay in the marriage. There was no upside. And as the as the breadwinner, I also needed to think about the fact that I needed to stay healthy for my kids as a provider and such. And so that's when I decided that I was going to file for divorce. And now the, the divorce process took about a year and now I'm four months uh, post-divorce. And you connected those dots between your failing health, the health issues you were having and um, the stress in your marriage. Am I hearing that right? Yes, I knew that they were directly related. I knew because, you know, I, I was feeling suffocation. I was burnt out. I had little energy. I probably was, you know, a little bit depressed. I mean, definitely, I knew that it had moved beyond just mental and into my physical state. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's let's talk a little bit about um, as you entered the process. So here, unlike many, you were the primary earner. So, um, you know, many of the uh, women that we speak to who are either secondary earners or stay at home, there's a financial fear. So so I would imagine I know there's different kinds of financial fears when you're the primary earner, but stepping into it, before we talk about what you learned, what were your greatest fears? Believe it or not, I, I did have a major fear of financial stability. And that really came from my family of origin. You know, as, as the firstborn in my family, I was involved in the family business. I was the chief translator in my house for my parents. I had to write the checks in both. I knew how much money we had and didn't have. And so for me, a part of my life has been just a need for financial stability. So definitely I had a fear of financial stability. I also had a fear for my children. You know, I just, I don't come from a family of divorce. I just, you know, in my mind, my kids were automatically going to be drug addicts. This is what I thought for sure would happen. And then, of course, you know, my extended friends and family in my community, I had a fear of what they would think of me, you know, as a, as a person who was divorced. So those were my three primary fears. Yeah. And, and that makes so much sense. And, and I'm glad you brought up the financial fear because I think that um, it comes from a different place, but boy, you really at a young age were um, very involved in finances, um, both in your family of origin and now. And so knowing so much and having so much control, 
you still felt the fear. Can you just talk a little bit about what what was that? So someone who's going, well, why were you afraid? You had a good job and and you know money and you knew your bill. So why were you afraid? Um, can you just share what that was about for you? Yes. I mean, well, I'm, I'm 49 years old, about to turn 50. You know, I'd spent my last 25 years in my career working really hard, building up my career, saving right as much as I could. I, I had very little balance in that. You know, it's really all about, you know, saving. Um, I had an opportunity to, to pay my house off, which was such a huge burden off me, right? Is, oh my gosh, the house is paid off and that was a burden. And so, you know, when I first went to see the attorney, the divorce attorney, and he walked me through, you know, what the uh, numbers would look like in terms of me, you know, having to pay alimony, having to pay child support and such, and what that all meant. I was just an absolute shock. And mm -hmm. I immediately um, went back into that place of fear. Oh my gosh, I'm 50 years old. You know, what about my kids? What about college? How am I, what's going to happen to me when I retire? What happened to my whole retirement plan? Oh my gosh, you know, you know, just I, I just went down this um rabbit hole of just absolute uh, desperation, really. Even though I, you know, I've been working it to me it just meant so much more work and you know um so that's that's really what happened. Yeah, and it's such an understandable um fear and concern and even, you know, some people get uh get really angry uh, primary earners. And, and so, you know, I've noticed that th there's almost like two buckets. There's the primary earner who has um, an equal partner at home, who's, you know, taking care of the household and raising the kids and running the social calendar and paying the household bills and all of that. And then there's a primary earner where the partner isn't isn't nearly as active as um, the stay-at-home parent, and that creates different uh, emotional reactions. Can you share with our audience a little bit about your? So you were the primary earner. How would you describe your partnership? Well, my partnership I felt was unequal in the, you know in that um, area. I I believe now now I know like I got married because I needed kind of that safety and security, because as I mentioned in my family of origin, you know, I had been like front and center in my life, taking the lead for my family for so long that I felt very tired at 37 years old. And I really, I, I really wanted a partner in life. I didn't, I didn't want a provider necessarily. I worked, I mean, I wanted a partner. And so truly when I got married, like I was so excited to share responsibilities with another person, you know, vacations and such, but also to share responsibilities that to me gave me a lot of safety and security. Um, and then, you know, quickly into my marriage, I realized that um, my definition of partnership was different um, than my ex-husband's. And I found myself, you know, um, in my marriage as being a, the, the, provider, but also, I, and I don't know if it's because we're women, but as a woman, like as a mom, you know, I was still doing the play dates. I was still doing the doctor's appointments and, you know, the laundry and such. And it just, you know, it, as a mom, as a woman to, to come home from a full day of work and then, and then go into 
all full day of work, (laughs) right? Another full day of work. And, and, and to be in that stress place, you know, no transition time. I mean, it was, it was very, very difficult for me, you know, to, and then to feel like my partner wasn't doing as much as I was, you know, for, to me, it felt like the more I did, it's almost like the less. And so I found myself really in a place of anger every day and resentment. You know, I would come home and um, I I would do the laundry, but if I saw him watching TV, it would trigger me and I would just get into this angry mode and resentment mode and just, and anger and resentment, you know, followed me pretty much for the majority of my marriage. And I think that, you know, that's what was inside of me all the time is that anger and the resentment all the time. Which ended up manifesting in migraines and other health issues for you. Are you emotionally overwhelmed, heartbroken, bitter, paralyzed by fear? In order to effectively navigate the significant decisions before you and skillfully master your life after divorce, you must attend to your emotional recovery. Our 12-step divorce recovery program is an emotional roadmap that guides you to feel clearer, stronger, and more in charge of yourself. Thousands have emerged transformed by the lessons, strategies, and tools our roadmap provides. Divorce will change your life. Enroll in the 12-step divorce recovery program today and ensure that the changes will be life-enhancing. Go to divorcerecoveryprogram.com to enroll. things that I find interesting. Did you, did you, um, did you move out? Were you living under separate roofs during the divorce or did that only happen at the end? That only happened at the very end. So in fact, we were, we were through the whole negotiation process. We lived together and then he was allowed to stay an additional three months in the house after we were divorced to find a house and such. So so and actually those those three months I think were actually the you know the hardest. <laughs> because I could you know only I already imagine. <laughs> yes, yes. So so is it true that you only have had one month under your belt of living um without him? Yes, yes. I, I wasn't planning on going in this direction, but I have to ask. So now you're doing everything because yes. you live alone. Can you share what's different about doing everything without an adult sitting on the couch watching TV in the same space as you? Oh, I love it. I do it with such joy. You know, I'm up the floor and I put on music and I'm happy and I I do the dishes and I'm happy and I do the kids laundry and I'm happy. I just do it. It's I do it with delight and I I'm you know, through a lot of the healing, I'm so present in it. And I just, it's a whole different ball game, you know, to be alone in my house doing the same thing I've always done, but it just feels so different. 
And and I, I asked the question, I had the exact same experience. And I thought, I when I stopped expending all of my energy on anger and resentment, I was actually doing the same thing I was doing under my marital roof. Um, I was doing the same amount, but there was no longer an expectation that another human being, another adult in the household would or should participate. And so the lack of expectation led to this, this ease, this joy, this, I can do all of this. I've always done it. And now I just, there's nobody to be mad at. Yes. I mean, I think during my marriage, I look back now and I realized, you know, I was obsessed with what is he doing? Or more importantly, what is he not doing? What am I doing that he's not doing? You know, and there was just this constant obsession in, in that, which created so much of the anger and the resentment. And now that that's that's gone. I mean, it's exactly the same as what you're saying. It's just a place of joy because I, I'm not spending any time thinking about that. So so going back to the initial um, point, which is you're a primary earner without an equal partner at home. And throughout the dozen or so years of your marriage, you're saying that that there was a real imbalance the whole time. So most people would say, well, you know, you're good. You're out there. You're you're, you're a professional. You're successful. Um, you know, you, you must have been, you know, confident and articulate. And so earlier we talked about uh, the difference between Judy out in the professional world and Judy behind closed doors at home. Can you share with our listeners some of the awarenesses that you developed through the coaching in terms of your part that you played in manifesting this partner and throughout the, the, the marriage. Yeah. So it, you know, I, I'm an attorney is my career and I started my career as a criminal prosecutor. And most of my life has been, my career has been, you know, working with men, fighting with, you know, advocating against, you know, other lawyers who are men and um, it was incredible to me because, you know, I was such a spitfire, you know, in my career and had a loud voice and um, really come from a place of strength. And after 12 years, you know, it was really shocking to me um, that when I came home, a totally different person, I was um, I had diminished myself at home so much that I had no voice. You know, I felt so suffocated in that. I, I, you know, I was more about, okay, what, you know, how can I, how can I support this family situation? How can I make it better? And, you know, the more I thought about how can I make it better, you know, I took on more work, but it was really a shock to me um, how different I was at the end of the 12 years. And, and one of the uh, times when I called um, JBD for coaching is because I had my my friend came in who knew me in college, who knew me in the beginning of my career. She's a real estate agent now, and she came in to value my house, you know, as part of the divorce process. And she came into my house and she saw that I was, you know, living in the basement. And, you know, she said, what happened to you? And oh my gosh, it was the way she said it to me. I could not get those words out of my head, you know, 
And I thought, what happened to me? What happened to me? You know, um, and then so that happened one day. And I think the very next day I, I was listening to your podcast and, and I the podcast was about, you know, if you don't heal yourself or learn what is going on with you, you're going to keep meeting the same person in different skin. And and then immediately I called, I called and I set up my <laughs> My call, because I thought not that I was ready to go out and, and meet someone. I'm not yet, you know, but the idea that of of the me in the in the whole equation. Right. So my friend put that idea of what happened to me, figuring out what what was going on with me, that I was perpetuating this. That's when I finally called, because I realized that the challenge was within me. And I could figure this out and I could work on me. And that's all I could work on. And at that point, I finally figured out, you know, you can't control anyone else. The only person you can figure out is yourself. So call JBT, figure out what is going on with you and why your life is like this and get healed. And so that's what I called immediately, immediately um, the next day. And then, it, you know, and then it's been a journey of healing, which you know, I can get into now too, if you'd like, but, um, yeah. So I, I would love to hear once you started the coaching, what are some of the key issues that became clear to you in terms of your part in the dynamic? Yeah. So the way we started the coaching sessions, um, were really to help me answer the question of what happened to me. And it was fascinating. Um, uh, my coach was KP and it was just fascinating the way that she asked me questions and, you know, that slowly started to show the challenges that I've had in my life. And really it came down to three things. It came down to perfectionism, being a people pleaser and, you know, having codependence. And, you know, once um, we were able to label those things or I became more aware and once I started to see the pattern in my life around those things, you know, I, I, it was incredible um, how that the healing started just just through awareness, yes, pure awareness every day of how I'm feeling. You know, is am I comparing myself to another family? Am, am I am I you know is that trigger of perfection coming in? Um, you know, people pleasing and learning how to put in boundaries that. You know, there's a place where I end and they begin and, and I, you know, I, my mood cannot be based on who they are or what's happening and, and setting up these boundaries really released me of the suffocation I was feeling, you know, that constant suffocation. Um, and then the codependence, you know, too, just the realization that, wow, I, I was doing more, trying to control this, you know, this feeling financially stable, trying to control this perfect family and this perfect marriage and control, you know, obsessed with telling my ex-husband how I needed him to change and realizing what he did and didn't do every day. You know, like, I mean, it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. Yeah. And so I, I realize that now, you know, and, but it really, I would have never done that on my own. Like I really needed a help with a coach to do that. I love your statement about how it all started with awareness. And I just want to say to those who are listening, it's that first baby step. 
the first baby step is always stop looking out and start looking in. And when you look in and it sounds to me like you were so committed to looking in that if you're waking up every day and saying, I'm paying attention to me, how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, how I'm acting, um, where do I see the patterns? What do I want to do about the patterns becomes the next step. But even before you get to that, just the awareness, there it is again, there it is again, there it is mm -hmm. again, is so powerful, isn't it? Absolutely. And for me, you know, just even it's still today, I, I went immediately, I, I, you know, do a scan of my body. And if all of a sudden I'm feeling suffocated, you know, I all of a sudden I feel like, oh, overwhelmed and suffocated. I know that there's a boundary somewhere that I need to put in that I haven't figured out where, but I know it's there. And I'll, I'll, I'll start to analyze like, okay, where's the suffocation coming from? Where's the, where's the boundary I need to put in? And that is so, so amazing because what I'm hearing is, is such a powerful tool that you're so tuned in that you know, your tell. And once <laughs> you know, your tell, you can slow it down and say, okay, I know what's wrong. Now let me figure out where it's coming from. And then um, the, the practice of boundaries is, is I'm hearing one of your solutions. And what's fascinating is I don't think that people, let me say that differently. I think that people who are unfamiliar with boundaries um, wouldn't immediately see the practice of boundaries as a, f a freedom, a, a path to freedom. And yet you're describing it exactly like that. Journey Beyond Divorce, we know that sometimes the most powerful support we can offer is to help you process the storm of emotions you're experiencing and gently challenge the beliefs that are keeping you stuck. The way Karen delivers her program is that she validates the feelings, the emotions, the ups, the downs. She hones in on the specifics that really talk to that particular person when they're going through this crazy emotional time. Let us be a beacon in the midst of this crazy emotional time. Book a free lifeline call with us to help lift the fog and begin practicing new ways of thinking, being, and doing that better support you as you journey through and beyond divorce. Our gift to you is taking that first step with you on your free Rapid Relief Lifeline call, where we help you navigate the emotional and logistical turbulence of separation and divorce. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call. Can you just, can you just talk a little bit about how the practice of boundaries freed you yeah, so I can give you an example. One of the earliest examples of how I, I finally figured this out. Um, so in the middle of our divorce process, my refrigerator broke down. It didn't, it stopped making ice. And, and you know, and 
I was in the healing process and coaching and I really struggled with, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with the refrigerator? I really like ice in my drinks, but I really, you know, if I, if I get it fixed right now, my ex is going to get really upset because I'm using the money to fix the refrigerator. And, you know, I mean, fully in codependence, you know, thinking outside of myself and, and, um, and so KP said, well, what would you do if it was just you, you know, about your refrigerator? So, well, of course, they'd fix it. I, I like to have ice in my drinks. <laughs> and she said, well, okay, then fix it. Just fix the refrigerator. You know, and I realized um, I realized that I needed to start thinking about that, you know, because the, I was feeling that suffocation, right? I was feeling that I really want to fix the refrigerator, but I can't because I'm worried about the reactions I'm going to get outside myself. And really stuck in that suffocation of like, oh man, I'd love, you know, I'd have a glass of water and be like, gosh, I'd really love some ice in it. Ridiculous. I mean, it sounds ridiculous now, but then I realized, wow. And I got the refrigerator fixed and oh my gosh, did I feel a sense of the suffocation lifted? I enjoyed my glass with the ice. And I realized for the first time that I had the freedom to fix the refrigerator. Right. And then I started to realize, as I said, in more boundaries, you know, how great I felt after I set the boundary. Now, I'm, I'm a work in progress. Not all my boundaries are perfect. And, you know, I'm still learning follow through and, and some are tougher than others. But now I realize like that, that it, they are for you to have your space, your freedom, your strength, right? Because otherwise you might be in a, a victim mode or, you know, or... Uh, a, a place where you feel like you have no power. And in reality, boundaries are there to give you power. And and I would even go one step further and say, if there's a boundary oblivious marriage, one person doesn't know how to set and uphold. The other person doesn't know how to notice and respect them. And so there's a problem on both sides of the table. So just out of curiosity, when you started setting boundaries, did you experience pushback? Did you have to learn how to uphold the boundary? What was that experience like? Yes, I was not prepared for that, actually. So yes, once I started to find my voice and set boundaries, I, I, things got worse for me, you know, in the in the divorce process. And once the divorce was done, and we were living together. The boundaries were not expected. Um, and, uh, you know, I, there were a lot of different um, excuses. I don't know, maybe manipulations, I, you know, all sorts of reasons why the boundary couldn't stand. And yes, I mean, of course, there have been times where I've tried to uphold and haven't been able to, you know, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm learning through that, how to do that and I'll come try to come back the other way. And, you know, I'm still a work in progress. I'm learning. Um, yes. But yes, I mean, but, but I, but I am aware that you have to keep you know, trying to put up the boundary. And well, part of it too is, as I've learned, is we were in this relationship dance, in this relationship pattern. And, you know, when I started to show up differently, I, re I was refusing to be part of that old dance. Then all of a sudden, like there was an adjustment um, that had to yes. happen on the other side. And, and, and so that's kind of where we're at. You know, it's getting a little better, but that's kind of where we're at now. Well, and I love that you say that because the truth is when we um, when 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 one party doesn't set any boundaries, um, then that's the way the relationship goes. And then when you learn something, you learn a new skill and boundary setting is a very healthy skill to learn. Well, they're not used to that. 
That's not what they signed up for. That's not what they've experienced for years. So it makes perfect sense like to expect that, oh, I've learned about boundaries. I'm setting them. He or she is just going to fall into line. Of course not. They're not. The first thing you're going to deal with is resistance. You're going to deal with mm-hmm. resistance, tension, conflict. And mm-hmm. some people could be like, well, screw the boundary. That's not worth it. But mm-hmm. it is worth it, isn't it? It is. It is. And I, you know, even in our, our like our parenting agreement and our other divorce agreement. I mean, so now, you know, I'll start my conversation, not conversations. It's usually an, it's a short email that says, you know, we agreed in section so-and-so and so-and-so that this is what we do because that's how I have to start. Everything is we already agreed. It's already in this document. You know, right. we spent so much time in those negotiations. And so now that's what I rely on. So those are very important agreements. Uh, but that's um, where that's where I remind, you know, we set this boundary already. We already set it together. And for our listeners, I'm going to say uh, Judy's an attorney. It's a very wise point. Nobody's brought it up before. And so if you're struggling with your ex and you're abiding by your agreement, you might want to pull it out and quote article and section um, <laughs> simply, simply to document that. I think that that's yet another way to firm up a boundary. So good for you. So there's boundaries, there's codependence. And it sounds like as a child, you took on a lot of responsibility. And so, you know, one can quickly see the, um, the trail, the pattern, the root of, of that kind of behavior. Um, and, uh, And so just getting back to this piece about being so successful and powerful at work and being the primary earner and then coming home and not having a voice and and trying to please or doing most of the work, what can you describe just the difference in experience for you now having everything on your shoulders versus um, versus what that was like. And I think you and I talked about, it, it's like being two different personalities, one, one publicly and one privately. Yes. Well that, I mean, absolutely two different personalities. And, you know, when I was in during the 12 years of marriage, I think I was, you know, I, I didn't want confrontation. I just wanted to try to fix things. I really did diminish myself, you know, but once I found my voice through coaching and through realizing that I had these three issues and finding my place of strength, like I mentioned about the refrigerator. And once I found my voice and and made the decision to get divorced, then all of a sudden I felt this anger rise up. You know, it was, it was this visceral anger about, okay, I'm no longer going to be that a small person, you know, I'm going to be the strong person I am at work, at home, you know, I'm going to find myself again. And all of a sudden I realized that I, not only did I want to find out what happened to me, but I needed to work through how I needed help working through this visceral anger that I felt because, um, it, it, I mean, really, I don't know how else to describe it other than it was visceral about, all of the work that I was doing, all of the work that I had done in my career, being the provider, doing the stuff for the kids, then having to pay alimony and having to pay child support. You know, I just was in a place of extreme anger. 
once I yeah. found my voice. <laughs> and, and it makes sense. I mean, when you look at it, it's and, and of course, divorce court, their divorce court is generally if you end up going to court, they're just going to continue whatever the pattern in the marriage was. And so often people go and it's like, yeah, but my spouse didn't do anything and I made all the money. And so now court, you have to fix it. And the courts, the courts always like, nope, we're just going to continue what was. That's not our job. That's not what we do. And for someone who's in a position where you're the primary earner and you don't have an equal partner, it's only human to to go from no voice to anger. It's also going from in the emotional energy that we work with, right? You went from the energetic place of being a victim to conflict to I am freaking angry and mad and I'm going to let you know, which is actually a step up. It's it's moving in the right direction of emotional energy. Can you share how you work through that visceral anger? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that that was tough. And I, I remember at the beginning of my divorce process, I I spent um, all of my evenings, I didn't sleep for about a week, literally. And I wrote my own petition for why I shouldn't pay alimony <laughs> because I was so full. I wanted my voice to come out, you know, and and then my I gave it to my attorney at, when I was done. And he's like, Judy, thank you. But nobody cares. You know, it's just a formula. <laughs> and, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and so, yeah, so I really had to work through, um, so I read some books that KP gave me, but there was this one time, um, when I was refinancing my house, which brought me a ton of clarity. And, you know, as I had mentioned, you know, I, in my career, um, I had been able to, you know, pay off the house, which is, you know, a symbol of just like, wow, this is just fantastic. Like, you know, and so I had to go in and get the house refinanced to pay the alimony. And um, I paid it in a lump sum. And that day was, I knew that day would be the hardest day, you know, for me to, to get a refinance the house again, go back in debt you know, I'm, I'm 49 and write years old. a check for a partner who you felt wasn't, you know, really yes. a partner. So that's, that's a very, so many times I've, I've walked clients through that and it's just, it's tender and it's painful and it's what happened during that closing. Yes. Yeah, so I, you know, I went to the closing, I was by myself um, and they gave me, you know, so many pieces of paper to sign and I was signing them. And I woke up that morning and I, it was very sunny day. And I just thought, thank God it's a sunny day. Cause if it was raining, it would feel terrible. But as I was driving to the refinance, you know, I just kept thinking of all the times I work late, you know, all the times that, you know, I went above and beyond at work and how tired I was, you know, I'm feeling so tired from all the work. And so I walked into the closing and it was a really windy day too, super windy day. And I was sitting in the closing and I was crying. I was bawling. I mean, I was crying, like not, not a little cry. I was, I was, you know, crying. And, um, I looked at the window and there was this massive tree, um, right at the window and I could see the trunk. And because it was so windy, I could see the leaves that were really moving, you know, one way and the other swaying in the wind. And I was praying. I was crying and I was praying. I was like, God, I, I, I need peace right now. Please send me peace. Help me get myself together. I need peace. I need peace. But it was really like gut wrenching 
requests. And so I look back out the window and I see this tree and this trunk of this tree is, you know, thick and wide and it's not moving, you know, and I got this clear voice. I mean, it was this clear feeling that, you know, as long as I was, as I was grounded in God, you know, and in myself and in a place of strength for myself, that the money were the leaves, you know, the money would come and go, the money sways in the wind, you know, and, and you die and you die with nothing. And all of a sudden, you know, I received that with such clarity that I was the tree trunk, you know, and that I was rooted in faith in God, in the divine universe, and that I didn't need to worry about the money, that it felt like the money was coming and going, but I did not need to worry about that. Like it would all work itself out at some point. And after that day, believe it or not, it just released me. It just released me. And I started to think of myself instead of thinking of myself, you know, as a victim, as I did this and I did that, I started to think as a place of strength, like, thank God that I have these skills, these gifts he gave me. Thank God I have a career. You know, thank God I could give my ex-husband a lump sum to take care of the kids properly, right? Thank goodness that I'm in this situation. And so I... Now I see it as a place of strength. You know, I don't even look back. I don't even worry about it. I just, you know, it's acceptance and it's just um, moving forward in faith and without fear, really. Wow. I I have to say, you just articulated that so well. (laughs) Your faith took you in a moment from visceral anger and fear to gratitude. And, you know, there's a statement that if we're truly grateful, not, not like just listing it, but if we're truly deeply um, rooted in gratitude, we can't be angry and afraid at the same time. It's like the two can't exist in the same space. And the fact that you were praying and that you tapped into your faith and and then like that, it was just gone. And in its place was this just deep appreciation for what brought you to this place of being capable and successful and a professional. And you said earlier you were exhausted and 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 depleted. How have the last four weeks felt for you um, post-divorce in terms of your energy? Oh, my gosh. I mean, night and day, I I uh, feel so much energy. I feel so much excitement. And the wonderful thing about that symbol of the tree, you know, is that I love windy days because the windy days, you know, blow the leaves and they're a constant reminder to me. Every time I see a tree, you know, the leaves blowing in the wind, I just remind myself like, wow, you are in a place of strength. I have my health. Thank God. Nothing came, you know, out, out of those issues with my health. No more migraines. You know, no more health issues. I um, and I do self care. You know, there's a lot more balance in my life. Before there wasn't any balance. You know, I was just work and work, and I was so afraid. And now, you know, I find time for myself. I make it a priority now to find time for myself. I try, you know, I try not to worry. Like it can't all be work, right? It can't all be work. And so I have more balance. And in preparation for this uh, podcast, you know, I asked my kids. Hey, what do you guys think of the divorce? What do you think about, you know, what what's happening to mom? And 
And the three of them collectively said, mom, you're so happy. Like you're so happy. Yeah. So we have dance parties, you know, I do the dishes and I put on loud music that I love and I, I, you know, I'll go for bike rides and I swear it feels like the leaves got greener. I mean, it just feels so much like either I'm more present or I don't know what it is, but I am just, I am just in full joy. I'm, I feel like I'm beginning to thrive. You know, I'm just very, very happy. I'm grateful. I have a gratitude journal now, which I never did before. <laughs> so I'm just like a Judy 2.0. It feels just feels yeah. amazing. <laughs> and that's that. why <laughs> Judy 2.0. And that's why, you know, I am so grateful for today because um, when I used to listen to the voices of celebration, I just thought, wow, gosh, I don't know how they ever got there, you know? And so it's a big deal today to be here. <laughs> It is a very big deal. And I have two last questions for you, Judy, um, which I think will beautifully wrap things up. And so the first one I want to ask you is if you could travel back in time to when you first decided that you had to divorce, what would you want to tell that version, that 1.0 version of yourself? Mm -hmm. I would say, I would say, um, don't be in resistance. You know, you can't be in control. You know, I would say, let it go and flow with, you know, where life is taking you every day. Because, you know, I was still kind of in my, oh gosh, I need to control this and I need to control that. And really the divorce process for me as the breadwinner would have been much smoother and less emotional if I had just you know, listen to my attorney on day one and just realize that that's, you know, where I was going to be financially and to just kind of, and, and he was the expert, even though I was an attorney, I was not the expert. And so just follow the expert through the process and let him get you out without expending so much, you know, turmoil and emotion. And it wasn't until I finally let go of the control and was in full um, surrender, you know, that I was like, okay, you know, I, this is going to be okay. Um, yeah. So that I just, I just want to highlight that. So really that, that, um, that surrender, that letting go and letting God and trusting in the process and flowing and noticing your resistance and stepping back from it. Those are all like such great pointers for people listening who are in the early stages. Mm-hmm. And the last question I want to ask you, because so you were married a dozen years. And so if we go back in time that far to the 37 year old Judy. What advice would you have for her? <laughs> oh, I think of her um, and my advice for her would be continue to be who you are, have your voice, make your needs known. Don't you don't need to be quiet. You don't need to fall back, you know, be, you know, have strength in who you are. You know, it's OK. You're OK. Like you're OK. You're perfect. You're perfect in who you are. You don't need to. No one else is going to give you advice to make you more perfect than you are, you know, and that's that's what I would tell her, because I think, too, I think back at 37 you know, I think maybe marriage was part of a perfect life for me, or I thought, and I had a lot of voices from my parents and my family. Oh, you're 37. 
you're 37. What's happening with you? Are you going to get yep. married? You know, and, yep. and maybe I wasn't really ready, but you know, I just, and, and that would have, that should have been okay. That should have been okay. And if I had, you know, strengthened myself and my inner voice, I would have been fine, you know, but I, I was, you know, I was trying to be a person I wasn't, you know, I was trying to follow what everyone else wanted me to be. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, um, you know, we all look back and especially those of us who've brought beautiful human beings into the world. It's like um, our journey um, is always for us, not mm -hmm. against us. And, and yet to be able to look back and see um, the personal growth and the wisdom and, and, uh, and the challenges that we brought to the table is really where all of the, where all of the treasures are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm so thankful for my divorce. I know that sounds crazy, but I have the opportunity to now to really figure out who I am. And I love being curious and exploring who is Judy and what is she going to do? You know, mm. I love that. I and, love and, that. What, and what an opportunity that I get to do that. You know, maybe I wouldn't if I was still married. I don't know. There certainly is... Um a level of self-reflection that comes with any crisis and divorce being such a huge transition. Um, for those who don't self-reflect, they're the ones who rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. um, so before we say goodbye, any last words of wisdom or advice that you'd like to share with our listeners? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I would like to tell the listeners, you know, I've been there I know how hard um, it feels. I know the fear is overwhelming, but it just takes one step, you know, just one step at a time. That's it. That's all you can think about. One step at a time, you know, get the help of a coach um, and you will make it through. I know it seems impossible, but it is there for you. Your new life is there for you. That's beautiful. Judy, your story is so special, and I just want to congratulate you for all your hard work and, and gosh, your smile. For those of you who aren't looking at the video, you're just like shimmering your, your energy and your smile and you're delighted at this new, new life that you have. And so I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your experience. As we say in the 12-step program, your experience, strength, and wisdom um, with our listeners. Um, so appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen, for all you do too. I would not be here without JBD's help for sure. We received that. Um, and we will be back again real soon with another episode of Voices of Celebration. Until then, you take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one -on -one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.